they, they definitely need to figure out the FRLs early on. Um, I, I have been to a lot of jobs where, you know, you, you go there and you ask for the uh, fire compartment plans and even the builder can't find them. Like, they're not exactly sure of what each wall is going to be or what FRL everything is. Welcome to Fireproof, the Passive Fire podcast, where we delve into the world of passive fire protection. Join the ProFinish team as we dig into the issues we see on-site and in our industry every day and find out how you can save time, money and headaches on major construction projects. All right, well, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I'm Russell Whiteford, the General Manager of ProFinish Fire Protection. Today I'm joined by Ryan Palmer, one of our project managers. Um, welcome, mate. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for a chat. Um, today we're going to be talking about um, fire-stopping penetrations um, it's an area that you have worked in um, on the tools yourself, having come from a, uh, a trade background, um, but you've been in the office for the last 12 months or so, um, in a transitioned into a project man- manager's role. So I think, you know, having that experience hands-on as well as now talking to project managers and engineers every day, uh, you've, you've sort of got a really good insight into what's happening on site when it comes to penetrations. Um, and it's an area that's had a lot of attention i think um recently as well so we're going to jump in and and talk about um quite a wide range of things i generally would like to cover off on all the three pillars of passive fire so we'll talk about um, the design phase of a project the build um, and then also the documentation so we'll try and um, use that as a bit of a guide for us as well but one of the things i was going to um, start with is a lot of times people come to us when they know they They've got questions about whether penos are being done properly on site yep. um, and that's the first time they engage us and yep. often that starts out uh, with an audit. We have to come in and assess what has actually been happening. Yep. Um, do you want to just talk about what is the process of actually doing an audit? Um, yeah. And that's often one of the entries we have into a project. Well, for us, we have a program we use where we would um, upload the plans, preferably fire compartment plans so we can identify yep. the FRLs of the walls and different substrates. Um, from there, we'd also request the schedules or the, the test data from the um, relevant trades that we'll be inspecting so we can see the system that they've applied or apparently have applied. Um, so after reviewing that, then we can kind of go in with an idea of what's compliant and what to look for. Um, and then we will go through, flag any defects. Um, from there, we can create a report which we can then give to the client and they can just, you know, then give that back to the trade and we can provide either a new solution or some advice on, you know, how they can or what they need to do to match their test report and the system yep. that they've chose. So um, so I there. suppose one of the key things you touched on there when we're completing an audit where we're assessing what's been installed against what we know is the tested system. Yeah. So yep. at the start of the job, well, now it's only really become a thing recently, but... Um, yep. The, you have to submit a building schedule which would like break out the different wall types found on the job, the services and those relevant trades would usually fill that out uh, with the test report and the system that they plan to use in the future. Yep. And then you know, once the, the design finishes and the walls start, becoming, you know, start getting built, um, yeah, they are meant to try and replicate that system but usually through lack of knowledge or misunderstanding of the details they often don't get it right Mm -hmm. and then um there must be something that maybe triggers a a builder or 
a subcontractor so to reach out to somebody like us? Well, a lot of time you can see that it's not right. You know, they, um, okay. they're rushed because, you know, they, they either haven't, they might, the trade might not have allowed for that uh, fire protection. They might have missed it or have just an oversight or the people on site just don't really care. They haven't got that uh, quality control where they'll just kind of just slap mm. some sealant on it and... It's yeah, when, when you say they don't really obvious. care, it's probably it, it comes back to a knowledge thing again. Knowledge uh, and you it know, wouldn't be that they don't care, but it, it would be that um, it's maybe not their kind of bread and butter. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not what their they expertise. Do. They're yep. like, why? Why do I have to do that? You know, like they're a, they're a plumber. They want to yep. install the pipes and you know do all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's more. Yeah, I think obviously it's a very uh, rushed or the business like building industry. There's a lot of pressure on being quick, hitting to the time frames. Um, and then that falls onto the people on site. So I think that's where they might just rush and not do it right. And yep. it's usually visually obvious. Yeah, you know? okay. If it doesn't look right, it probably isn't. Yeah. It's a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah. There is times when we've done some deconstructive testing as well. We've actually pulled apart um, points to make sure they have been installed yep. Installed properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's obviously like there's so many little details in the test reports that can be overlooked, like yep. a certain depth or the, the annular gap around the service. Yeah. Um, which again, like, it's more of a planning th- issue where they haven't really thought out ahead of time, mm-hmm. and then it's got to that stage that they've just kind of ignored it and done what they can, or yeah. done, done their best, what they thought was right. So, so when we do get called in to do an audit and the build's already in progress, and it's the first time that a, a pacifier expert has come in to look um, at the penetrations, what are some of the things that you're commonly seeing? Um. The wrong sealant is often used, uh, just, I guess, for a, they would have to use a mastic for some stuff and they've just used a normal fire-rated sealant, which would provide a, a smoke seal and treatment for some kind of services, but it wouldn't do what, the other, the, what they actually require. Um, damaged seals, so, you know, just rushed, they've just kind of slapped the sealant on there and there's still gaps in it yep. for the, the smoke to get through. And, yeah, just... Just a misunderstanding of the fine details and the test reports. They often try to do it, but they've either they've just they haven't done it as per that test report, and that's what it has mm-hmm. to be. It has to be exactly to the yep. detail. What what about like uh, clusters of yeah. services well, and, and things like that? That's an issue. Uh, a lot of the time, the core hole. Everyone just wants to run their services through. They don't think about the spacing. Um, same with firewalls and all that. Uh, it's mainly just. Like even even when the building has a lot of room, it still happens because people mm. see a hole, and it's the easiest way to go. Like they just they just put it through there, and they're not thinking about the fireproofing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that happens a lot, especially with like pexes, for instance. There's no treatment on the market other than like a special uh, casting kind of like collar or box kind of thing yep. um, to treat both at the same time. Pretty yep. much standard. Both, both what's or right. two pexes in the yep. bundle together. Yep. Um, and that will happen often because obviously you've got your hot water and your, your cold water running into the apartment. Yep. They'll often just run it, either cut a strip, like a little sl- like slit or whatever and just run it through there and just cork it. Um, so a lot of, yeah, no, not enough space between the services. Mm. Um, there's a lot of, lot of issues. So I, th- I think one of the things you're highlighting here is just um, knowledge because there is so many different um, test reports and there's, um, you know, million different scenarios you come across on site um people don't understand uh what is as per a tested system mm-hmm. um 
they want to apply the fire rating, um, but it's not their area of expertise. Um, yep. They don't understand how to link that back to to a tested system. Exactly. So we've sort of been talking about um, coming in during a build process, but earlier you touched on the fact that um, now we're starting to get asked for pre-construction registers to be mm-hmm. completed. So we're actually putting uh, or suggesting what should be used to treat a, each different service type yep. um, before the building started. Obviously that's going to help or hopefully that's going to help save some of those issues that you've just raised. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and have we had any experience, because I know we've, we've been doing that um, particularly this year, have we had experiences now where that's um, starting to have a positive outcome on site? Um, we haven't actually done any where we've now, we've, we've yet to go to site. And, um, and audit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we've, we've done the pre-construction register, um, suggested all the, the systems, but it, it's pretty much, that's... That's the first step for them to even just get a building uh, permit for those substrates. So yeah, if you've yeah. you need one for the floor and the walls, all the different types of substrates that they'll be passing through. So it's pretty early on. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the pre-construction registers we've done has been in that sort of building permit yeah. phase. So and we it's actually, been we, the last, we haven't gotten to site yet for those projects. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's been only really like the last six or so months. So there are a few big ones that'll be coming up um, where we'll yeah I think we'll see it have a huge difference i do think um yep. especially because it puts, puts the onus back onto the trade now they've got their and it puts the onus back onto them but they also have direction um, gives them something specific exactly yeah. like we state the system where like the page um the the treatment details as per what it says in the test report so yep. it's nice and easy to, di- to digest and to um you know relate to their people on site that's right um, and then I suppose the service that we can provide then is um, is actually coming in and managing mm-hmm. um, the subcontractors um, or the contractors right across the project where um, we're then holding them to account and, and auditing their work um, yep. as they're going. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing at Bolton Clark or that's what we'll be doing at Bolton Clark. Yeah, um, so it's a project you're actually at this morning. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, so we, we walked through it just to have a look at because the first level had been completed. Yep. Um, all the walls have been built, a bit of fireproofing had happened. And he just wanted to see kind of how they were going. Um, and then next week I'm going to go in and have a meeting with all the, the foremans of all the different service trades and just kind of have a, you know, a talk about what's going, what I've seen that isn't right and what they need to do to make a compliant um, yep. penetration. And then we'll follow through uh, with an audit on each level. Once they're already they've, they've treated their services, we'll come through, defect any, log the ones that are compliant, um, and then they will have another chance to try and rectify it and we'll have a, another uh, inspection to yep. hopefully have a tick for all the penetrations on that level. I, I love that we're doing this because it it saves so much hassle at the end of the project. Yeah. Um, the last thing that a builder wants is the building surveyor coming through when they're ready to hand over or you know get practical completion on the project and actually defecting penos and working out who's going to go and do that work yeah. whether it's a, a an expert like us or whether it's you know back to the service trade and then who's going to pay for it mm-hmm. um and that that's happened you know time and time again in the past but yeah. the fact that um we're, we're getting into the project um earlier in this example that's a great example um where we can actually go through and and give direction to the service trades um allow them to do the work order the work yeah um the other part of that is we get to provide the register if we're actually coming in and auditing all the points, um, mm-hmm. we can provide the register, which is something that's difficult for the service trades to provide. Yeah, agreed. They, do, you, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, it's it's very similar. Like the register is in essence 
uh, an updated version of the, the pre-construction register. So at the end we'll have all the penetrations and then we'll, if there's any variance where they've had to use a new system um, and that's come up, that will get added into the schedule and um, it allows that, you know, the building surveyor not to have to go through 10 different schedules and 10 different reports with all the penetrations, rather he just has one. It's clearly like all the same format, easy to understand. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just a, I think a, a much safer option because yep. yeah, you could get to the end of the job and you're handing over your uh, schedules and that building surveyor is then reviewing it and picks up that you've chosen the wrong system and actually doesn't work for that wall type. Yeah, you know now there's a huge issue. Like by yeah, that stage, right. it's ne almost handover. So yeah, ceilings are up. And yeah. That's a lot of work to get back into those little spaces, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that happened at the uh, the previous Bolton Clark. Like the amount yeah. of holes we cut into ceilings just to get access to things because yeah, yeah just the oversight early on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which is obviously why they have engaged us now not to. Yeah, which is great. I mean, that. and that's and that's part of the reason why we're we're having these conversations is we want to educate um, our field um, mm -hmm. because it 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 creates a better outcome, yeah. better outcome for the service trades, a better outcome for the builder, uh, better outcome for us, a better outcome for the building surveyor. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, like we're avoiding time delays or additional costs on projects. Yeah, and and even things that you know. It's very easy for a service trade to ignore stuff and possibly not even like miss stuff or, you know, um, just kind of hide things. Whereas we're a professional, we're coming in, we're going to make sure that we've, we've got all the penetrations, everything is going to be compliant and nothing's going to be swept under the rug. Because um, I feel like that can happen accidentally or maybe on purpose just because, you know, they, they did get so far into the build and now they've realised, I don't know, we've been doing the wrong thing. And they don't want to go to the builder and say, hey, we're going to have to cut holes in every single room. Mm. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely worth having a professional person. Yeah. And, and engaged early in the project. Yeah. So we, we, we mentioned about the register. Um, the, one of the other benefits uh, when we provide a full um, register for the whole project is that each item or every single penetration on the job is referenced, um, has a unique reference ID, mm -hmm. has a, a location that links it back to the plans yep and that's something that uh someone like us uh, you know a pacifier company is going to be able to provide that a, a service trade may not be able to provide mm -hmm. um what's the benefit i suppose to the builder well every year um as per the ncc your building has once it's complete has to have a uh, inspection of the fire penetrations the fire compliance of sorts so even fire doors um, and to be able to have this report with all the locations, all the test data, you know, yep. easily digestible in one place um, for those inspections, it's, it's yeah, it's a, obviously a, a huge benefit rather mm. than um, the other, if there's no locations or you're kind of just guessing where it is, it just says room number or something like that. Yeah, you're going looking for them. Yeah. Um, so I guess, um, you know, that's a benefit for the building occupier or owner. Mm -hmm. um, for the builder for the period of time that they're, they're going to be liable. Um, but, uh, but moving forward, it's going to be a big benefit for the whoever, you know, owns or occupies that building. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. of course, like even for the builder, then they don't have to chase up eight, ten different schedules. There's one person they can rely on. Yep. And, um, it's all, yeah. And it's a yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned before just about um, changes that happened, you know, over the last six months. If we If we... Talk specifically around project documentation. 
what are some of the things that building surveyors are asking us for now? Because I know that at the end of a project, um, you know, a client wants their certificates and they want their register. Um, they want uh, everything that we're going to provide them when we do a handover. Yep. I know that you've been getting a lot of things come back to you where building surveyors are asking for more detail mm-hmm. um, and that's been a recent thing. Yep. Um, so can you tell us over, over the last six months, you know, what, it, what are we being asked to provide? Uh, well, they, they are asking us to do a lot more of the work for them now. So they want their very like specific detail. So originally, you know, you'd, you'd have your different profiles which would be assigned to different penetrations and then that schedule would, um, would show that pre- profile with a test report um, and, and the system inside the test report. But just now, just um, elaborate on what a profile is. Uh, so that's yeah. the profile is um, part of the app that we use where we add the plans digitally. Um, we would create a point which would then you'd assign a profile to, which would be, you know, um, cable, data cable bundle up to 50 mil through concrete floor, um, you know, seal. And then we would know that that I would know and other people would know on the field would know um, that it would be a penetration through the concrete floor and we would know the seal that we would need to do because we've got that information. We... um, so yeah. the profile um, basically gives you all the details of, of yeah. what the service is mm-hmm. um, up to what hole size, yep. um, et cetera, and what, what treatment is going to be provided. Yeah, the substrate, the different type of uh, treatment that you'll do. So it might be a collar or a seal. And then from that profile, we spit out an Excel spreadsheet that has all those profiles and then we have to fill that out as for the schedule um, for the RBS. You know, the, the wall type. So the minimum size that's allowed, the, uh, the required treatment, so what type of seal it is, the depth of the seal, if it's a wrap or a collar, what type of fixings need to be used. Um, and then it'll go down to like which test report, the, uh, the page number, mm-hmm. and then the actual system itself, where it'd be like a V11 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's probably one of the key things you're saying has changed over the last six months? Yeah, the, they want yeah. specific substrate um, to be like the, the minimum size of the substrate because a different each test report has, you know, maybe 100 uh, mil thick concrete slab or 200 mil thick concrete slab. And, you know, if it's tested on 200 mil thick concrete slab, you have to also have it passing through a, a 200 mil thick concrete slab to be able to apply mm-hmm. that test report. Um, and they want to be able to see that all in the schedule. Rather yep. than, you know, we just say, here's the test report, uh, V11, mm. go find it and then you can confirm it. Now yep. they want uh, all that information that's within that kind of, in that test report stated for that system. Yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty complex. Yeah, it's a, it's, lot, of, it's a lot of... It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why the documentation side of, of this um, has a cost as well that people don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you've got to have the time all that goes into it for sure. You've got to have all those test reports on hand as well, or else you've got to then go to all the suppliers, and it's yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but mm. it's it's valuable. That's right. I mean, it's a lot of work because it's a big risk, mm-hmm. um, and if if something's not done right, and that becomes the reason why a fire spreads within a building, um, yeah. you know, it could be catastrophic. Exactly. So, um, I guess you know, if we're going to wrap up shortly. Um, I just want to ask, you know, using the three pillars of passive fire protection, so design, build and documentation, what advice would you have for somebody who's in each stage 
right now so of a project so and you can apply this to um to the builder or to the to the subcontractor if you like i think you know you'll have things that come to mind um that are relevant that are current in the industry so thinking about the design phase um what advice do you have for somebody who's in that that phase right now um you want to definitely design how the services are going to be penetrating through the firewalls so that would obviously avoid the issue of separation you know we we're saying before everything mm -hmm. going through one hole um they have to be aware of that early on so that they allow for it uh either if it's above a, an apartment there's enough room between there for those services to pass that are needed yep. to enter um and i would also say you know more is better um so like if you could design above the apartment an extra layer of uh fire check that is going to make treatment for instance a lot easier because it allows now you can use more test reports that state um you know you've just got more variance so it mm. allows for more freedom um and if you do get it stuck into a pickle there's more chance that you'll be able to find a compliance system um what, what i'm hearing is it's um <laughs> It's quite complex and, and, you know, an architect or a designer might not know that. Yeah. Um, so even just having a conversation mm -hmm. um, in the early phases um, just to provide some, some early stage advice um, yeah. could really help the and direction say, of the project. Uh, they, they definitely need to figure out the FRLs early on. Um, I, I have been to a lot of jobs where, you know, you, you go there and you ask for the uh, fire compartment plans and even the builder can't find them. Like they're not exactly sure of what each wall is going to be or what FRL everything is. Um, and that's either can be an oversight from the architect where they haven't fully clarified it or um, I guess just a they're not as concerned as they should be, I guess. Because um, obviously you need to know what the FRL is to mm -hmm. you know, either have enough spacing for um, whatnot, you know, pretty much just whatever you yeah. need to go through there. And um, I feel like it's definitely something that needs to be thought out early on mm -hmm. and i think you know for us it's it's front of mind because um, it's what we do mm -hmm. um, but for everybody it's not front of mind yeah. um, they want to make sure that it's correct but they're not always you know thinking through to the level of detail that that, that we are when we're coming into projects mm -hmm. so whether that's um, the architect um, or the builder if we are moving to the design oh, sorry the build phase what advice would you have for people who are sort of in the build phase right now who maybe haven't um, engaged somebody? Mm -hmm. I would definitely be looking to get an audit of some sort if there's already services going through and treatments happened. Otherwise, if you're just before, like, uh, you know, walls have been put up but it's very early on, you could do a mock-up, like a mock-up wall. Yeah, cool. Which, um, you know, either you could get your service trades to come in, they do what they, they plan to do, that can then be inspected by, I guess, the building surveyor or a third party like ourselves, um, who then can confirm that it's going to be compliant. And then that kind of sets the standard and it's a visual, um, you know, something that they can visually go back to and say, all right, that's what I need to do. I need that spacing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, yeah, it's, that, that, I think that's one of the best things they could do. Uh, I, I agree. I think it's something that doesn't happen enough. Yeah, 100%. Um, we, we can install those, can't we? Yep. Yep. We yeah. have done them before, but it, you know whether it's whether it's you know a, a company like ours, uh, whether it's the builder, whether it's the service trades doing it themselves. I think one of the things is that it takes time, or, or there's a cost because someone actually has to build it and do it. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes, you know, just spending that little bit of time or that little bit of cost at the start 
is actually going to provide the resource that people can refer back to and it's going to save that time or that cost tenfold you know later on down the track so it's important to recognize that that's that's great advice Mm -hmm. um yeah even like i guess if there is issues with uh spacing like there are alternative systems that are, are pricey um but again like you definitely want to design it and kind of work through it as you go step by step make sure that each level's before you start sheeting, before you start putting up grids, because mm. um, that happens a lot. They they kind of rush along, and then you know, two days before they're about to put the ceiling up, they they decide to get an audit, and now they've got to hold everything up and push everything back. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely yeah. So I mean, we keep here earlier is better, um, <laughs> but uh, I guess you, you you did also mention um, some other solutions. So you know, if if penos can't be treated um, because of the way that um, services have been run through firewalls or, mm-hmm. fire f- or floors. Uh, there's other solutions sometimes, building bulkheads, um, yeah. building compartments and things. So uh, that's where, you know, we can come in and provide advice on that as mm-hmm. well. But I think the main bit of advice there was um, earlier is better. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't had a pacifier um, expert involved in your project um, and you're halfway through or, or already in the build phase, um, it would be worth having a conversation. For sure, yeah. Yeah. So um, if it come, when it comes to documentation, I guess, is there advice that you have around, um, you know, to make life easier for the builder or for the building surveyor? Um, well, I guess where we come, like from us, or our standard, um, point of view, like if we come in and we have treated it, we, we won't use heaps and heaps of different product types. So we'll have, you know, a few different, ProMat, say, or, and TBA, and then we'll have just the relevant test reports, which would be a lot less... Uh, information to go through for the, mm. the building surveyor. Um, whereas, you know, if each trade's doing their own thing, they've all got different products and whatnot, um, it can be, I guess, cumbersome for the, the building mm. surveyor to read through it all and try and understand it all. And Yeah. Um, They're likely to push back, aren't they? Yeah. And ask for more information. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And often the test reports that uh, the trades that will supply aren't actually test reports. They're more of just the... Uh, the data sheets yeah you know they kind of tell you how to install it but they don't go into that specific detail of the fire testing Mm -hmm. yeah and that's where they probably have some issues where they don't treat it properly as well so that's that's another that that actually i think that a bit of advice probably goes right through the three phases um is streamlining streamlining what products you're going to use so you know from a design point of view um during the build and also documentation if you have uh, consistency across the project with what types of points are treated with what products uh, and have some consistency with the products you're using across the project, then the documentation side of it becomes a lot easier too. Yeah, definitely. And it's uh, it's a lot easier to see, you know, what's compliant and what isn't compliant if there's, you know, at the very start it's clear, even mm. the builder knows what to look like uh, look for in essence so he can kind of inspect it himself even yep. rather than just relying on the trades to do the right thing or yeah. <laughs> I reckon we've 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 covered it fairly in depth. Uh, it's been a really good conversation. I think we'll um, we'll wrap it up there, and hopefully, you know, if you're on a project at the moment, whatever phase of the project you're in, um, as a project manager, uh, a bit working for a builder, uh, working in design, and you need some advice, um, feel free to reach out and have a chat to us. Definitely, definitely help. All right. Well, thanks for your time, mate. No worries, man. Cheers for having me. Thanks. On.